Hi, welcome to Calvary HSM. We exist to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. We hope you enjoy this podcast. So, admittedly, my whole growing up, I was definitely in, in the like sleep-in category. Like my default setting was like, I guess I'm just awake until 3 a.m. for no like explicable reason. Um, it wasn't like, gotta do this thing at 3 a.m. It was just like, I would stay up till three consistently. And if you let me, I would sleep until like 1 p.m., right? Like that was my default setting. And I used to look at my dad who was like a 5 a.m. riser consistently. Crazy, right? Like every day, not just on weekends. Um, Actually, that's a reverse of what would make sense. Um, But my dad was like, rise with the sun. And I was like, dad, you're an insane man. I love you, but that's ridiculous. Why would you ever get up at 5 a.m.? And you know the old adage, like ultimately you become your parents. Um, (laughs) I'm like a 5 a.m.er now. And I don't know how it happened. It happened like sort of gradually and slowly. And then like all of a sudden where I just like wake with the sun. Like it doesn't matter what time I go to bed. Um, like, well, 5 a.m. is pre-sun, if you know. I was up at 7 this morning. The sun was still, like, just starting to get up. I was like, son, what are you doing? Stop slacking. Um, but, like, the sun is up, and so am I. There's nothing I can do about it. Uh, but I used to be the, like, wake up and kind of have no game plan for the day kind of guy, right? Like, I would, like, wake up and be like, I guess I should get out of bed, but I'll check, I'll check socials first, right? So I'd be like, I'll just do, like, five, five minutes on Instagram or, like, five on TikTok. So you pull it out, and then, like, an hour later, I should be, I'd be like, I guess I should actually get out of bed now. And then, like, 40 minutes later, I would actually get out of bed, right? And then I kind of, like, wander to the kitchen. Coffee was kind of, like, essential. I'd get the coffee. Coffee drinkers, raise your hand if you're a coffee person. Okay, cool. Yeah, I probably drink too much. I also used to be the guy that was like, I'm fine without a cup of coffee, like one a day sometimes. And now I'm like, I think I had six cups this morning. Um, It's a lot, but uh, I love caffeine. Uh, But I would just kind of like wander through the day and not really have a game plan. Um, And I don't know. I think I'm just becoming an old dude. I don't know what's happening, but I like raise up and I want to like carpe the DM, right? I'm like, I got to like get my morning routine in. Anybody like a morning routine person where they have like their things that they like to do in order? Okay. You're probably like, this is church. Why is Drew talking about his morning routine? I'm going somewhere with this. So here's, here's what's happened to me lately. I'll wake up around 5.30 or 6 a.m. First things first, this is next to my bed and I like down as much of this as I can. This is full of water, by the way. Um, Water, so good, gets everything going. And then I get up, I try to make myself get up, I get dressed and I get in the car and I go to the gym. Right, I try to start with the workout, get it out of the way, do the hard stuff first, right? Like the, like, eat your veggies, have the dessert at the end, right? Like, that's kind of my mindset. So I get up, I like, I'm like that dude who's like slamming pre-workout on the way to the gym. So that by the time I get there, I'm like a crack fiend. I like have all the energy coursing through my body and then I just like crank through the workout and then I go home and I like wash up, I brew coffee because I guess I need coffee on top of the pre-workout. And then I go in my backyard And that's when I get my just me and Jesus time, right? Like I am like, obviously I'm at church professionally, which is the coolest gig. I don't know how I got this blessed. Um, But like, I get to do a lot of like me, Jesus and a bunch of people that I like time. Um, But that, that sort of like 7 a.m. in my backyard, that's my one-on-one time with Jesus. That's like just him and me. Right. And so like the first cup of coffee is like me just kind of like sitting there in silence, not not like even trying to like think or process through things. I just kind of like let the morning happen to me. Uh, 
We'll pray about things as they come up. And then about the time I run out of the first cup of coffee, I go and brew a second one. I think I have a problem, guys, talking about this. I'm realizing I should probably cut back on my caffeine intake. Um, but my second cup of coffee, I'll get into the Bible, right? And that's my time. Either I'll do like a guided study or I'll like read through a book of the Bible. And that time for me is like make or break for the quality of the rest of my day. Like genuinely, like to get to come to God's word and like receive from it, it sets the tone for my day. Also, like the amazing thing about God's word is that it's active and alive, right? Like it's not just like an old book from a long time ago that like records things that happened. It is that, but it's more than that. God's word tells us that it is active and alive and that it is still doing stuff. And so it's not just a book that I read. It's a book that reads me too. Like sometimes I'll, I'll read something in the book and be like, Ooh, ouch, called out <laughs> like whoops. Uh, or I'll read something that'll just like capture my imagination and be like, gosh, I didn't even think about it that way. Well, easy. you good. Um, It'll just like set my like enthusiasm on fire of like, I wasn't even thinking about that over there, but I want to go like take that hill and be that kind of person and do that. Like, right. God's word interacts with me. God speaks to me through it. And it is so powerful um, for my life. This is just me. Like, and I would wager that amongst the people in this room, there are a multitude of personal relationships with the Bible, right? Like maybe for you, the Bible is like kind of what I'm talking about. Like you just love, you crave your time where you can jump into God's word and hear what he has to say through it. Or maybe for you, like maybe you're one of the people who goes to a Christian school in the area. And for you, Bible equals homework. And you're like, oh, the Bible, boo. Uh, or maybe for you, like you're somebody who you're in the room and you're, you don't consider yourself a Christian. Maybe church is a new context for you. And you've heard a lot about the Bible, but you've never read it for yourself. And so you've got all of these conflicting narratives from other people about what God's word is. And you haven't been able to decide for yourself yet, right? Like I would wager that there is a breadth of experiences uh, and relationships too. God's word. And here's the thing. Here's why am I talking about like my morning routine, my habits, all of that. Here's why. Because in our lives, your habits don't do nothing. They don't take you nowhere. Your habits build highways that take you places to a destination, right? Like everything that you do, especially the things you do repeatedly, like think of it as like a brick. You're laying down brick in a road and that road is leading somewhere, right? And a lot of times we don't think about outcomes in that way. We think like, oh, I, I, like, I have vision for my life. Like I wanna wind up, I wanna be this kind of person or I wanna wind up here or I wanna have this sort of ability or skill, right? And then sometimes we don't think that like our daily habits are the thing that will get us there. We just think like, I'm gonna do whatever feels right in the moment, but someday, I'll be that kind of person. But the reality is that your habits, good or bad, build highways in your life that take you places, right? In Proverbs 29, we're told um, that when we lack vision, when there's lack of vision or destination, it says when we lack vision, the people perish, right? So having a vision, having a destination in mind is essential. You're not going anywhere if you don't have that. But if the habits aren't in place, if the practices aren't in place, you're never going to wind up at the, the destination that the vision is taking you in. And so it's crucial that we understand that our habits build highways in our life. And the things that we do, the disciplines that we build, take us places, right? And I read this book recently about habits. It's called Atomic Habits. I don't know if anybody's like a like leadership, personal development type of person. Great if you are, great if you're not. Uh, but I read this book. It's called Atomic Habits. And the whole premise is that, is that the, the tiniest details of your life, the little practices kind of, cascade and build into bigger things and they take you 
places. But there's an interesting thing is that like for us, negative habits, like things that are like established in our life that we're trying to get rid of, getting rid of a negative habit is kind of like trying to uproot an oak tree, right? It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort. The roots have gone down deep there in there, right? There's a lot of weight to it. It's not something that you can just kind of ignore. It's there. Uprooting an old habit is like uprooting an oak tree. But planting a new habit in your life is like planting a flower from a seed, right? It's a delicate process. It takes a lot of focus. It takes a lot of attention. It takes a lot of intention, right? And so when we're talking about habits, it's important to understand that our habits don't just kind of like happen in a vacuum and not take us anywhere. They are the bricks in the road that take us to our destinations for good or bad. And here's the reality. We talk about where there's lack of vision, the people perish. Uh, so we have to have vision. We're in a series right now. Here's where it all connects. Watch this. We're in our church vision series right now. And here's what that is. If you're like, what is a church vision series? I'm about to tell you. You're in luck. Um, every fall, as a church, we all align. So if you go into any, if you have like a younger sibling in middle school or in elementary school, uh, if you have like a grandparent in seasoned adults in Salt Co., uh, if you've got a sibling that's like young adult, like every corner of the church, We are all talking about what is the vision for the next couple of years? Like, where are we as a community feeling like God is leading us to move? How is God calling us to grow? Like, what is the collective, like, what is the life-giving vision of, like, here's where we're going? Are we in it together? That's what our vision series is. And so right now, we're in a vision series called Calvary Next. It's our 2030 vision. So basically what that is, is by the time that the calendar turns from 2029, to 2030, who are we as a church? Like, who are we as a community? What are we about? And the way that we get there is the things that we start doing now, right? Like the habits are the bricks in the road that leads us to the destination of the vision. And so it's important that we talk about this, that we all know where we're going, where our, where our leaders at our highest levels of this church have been prompted by the Lord of that's where we're charting a course. That's where we're going. And so every week during this eight-week series, you're jumping in on week three, we're going to talk about what are some of the key visions that we've been given as a church about who we want to be by the time the calendar goes goes from 2029 to 2030. What will we be about? Now, I don't know if you knew this, it's 2022 right now. There's eight years. I know I see some shocked faces like, what? 2022? Eight years from now is 2030. So just think, like, take your age and add eight, and that's how old you will be when this happens. There's a ton of time between now and then. There are some very just natural life occurrences that will make you a dramatically different person. Just the wisdom of experience, heartbreaks, triumphs, all of it. But partnered with that is the intentional things that we do step by step to chart the course of like, here's the kind of person I want to be. Here's the man I want to be. Here's the woman I want to be. Here's what I am moving towards. And so in our uh, 2030 vision, We're taking a look at the things that we want to grow in. Um, And here's what you need to know. We're talking about the Bible. And like I said, there's a vast array of relationships to the Bible. But here's what you need to know. If the vision for your life, if you're like, I want to be a person who has a rich relationship with God. Like, I want to know my maker. 
I want to commune with him. I want to hear from him. I want to grow in a way that pleases him. I want to like acquire all the wisdom and knowledge of that he's just like laid out for me of, hey, if you do this, this thing will happen. If you do that, this thing will happen. And choose wisely, right? Like I want to be a person who knows my God. But here's what you need to know. The future of your faith will be determined by whether or not you listen to the voice of God. Like, where you wind up in your faith has everything to do with whether or not you let God speak to you on a regular basis, whether or not you care what he has to say. Like, your ability to hear and receive and comprehend will determine the future of your faith. So if you think, like, oh, someday, by 2030, I'll be in my 20s, like, I'm going to be living this life, and my goal is to have this, like, rich relationship with God. But if for the next eight years... You never listen to the voice of God. You never let him speak to you. You won't get there, right? And so it has everything to do with whether or not you listen to the voice of God. And then even on a broader scale, us as a community, the future of our church will be determined by whether or not we listen to the voice of God together, right? Like we could have the best of intentions. We could be like, yeah, we want to be a people who are like passionate about God, who life transformation, who go from despair to hope, from just like aimlessness to purpose. Like we want all of those things. Our ability to reach that point has everything to do with whether or not we, for the next eight years, listen to the voice of God. And so one of the key visions that we have in this 2030 vision is this statement. We believe Calvary Community Church, that by the year 2030, we must deliberately elevate our love for God's word. Not just our knowledge of God's word, our love for God's word. You see, because we want to be a church that's full of people who are deliberate, intentional, and consistently elevating the knowledge of God, the knowledge of his word, and our delight in God's word. And so tonight, we're jumping into the book of Acts. We're going to look at like a, a little, like a paragraph of scripture, but it packs a punch. It's got a lot to show us. And so in the book of Acts, chapter 17, here's what it tells us. It says, as soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great Eagerness. So let me explain this a little bit. Again, this is Acts chapter 17. If you have your Bible app, you can follow along. We've got it on the screen for you. If you have like the OG analog paper Bible, we've got it for you. Also, as an aside, if you don't have a Bible, we would love to change that for you uh, as a free gift. There's three easy ways to get the Bible. First, um, the Bible in its entirety and many of its translations is available for free on the internet. Just like Google the Bible and it's all there for you for free. The next is there is a app in the app store. You just type in Bible, it is free, and it's got all of God's word for you. And there's like Bible study plans, there's uh, different guided ways to go through the Bible, all of it. And the third is, if you don't have a paper Bible and you want one, we would love to give you one before you leave here tonight. We've got a counter in the back. If you see like TV screen glowing back there, there's like stacked boxes, and on those is a bunch of Bibles. That is our gift to you. Grab it. It's yours. We want you to have it. It's, we bought it for you. Um, and so it looks like this. Bible. So Acts 17, we're in it. Verse 10, it says, As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. 
On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness. So here's the context of what's going on. We've got Paul and Silas. So Paul is a figure that looms large over the New Testament, right? The Bible is split into two Testaments. There's the Old Testament, which is everything before Jesus, and there's the New Testament. Everything after history literally pivots on the person of Jesus. Everything has changed. He fulfills all of the laws, all of the promises of the Old Testament, and he extends forgiveness and grace and hope to broken people like us, right? We're invited into, we're adopted into the family of God so that God can look at you and say, you're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. That is good news. We call it the gospel. That's the moment the history pivots, right? And so the Bible is the account of that. You've got everything before Jesus, and you've got everything after Jesus. And so in the New Testament, people are getting snatched, right? Like people are getting like taken by Jesus where they're like, Jesus, it makes sense. I hear, I understand, I'm in, right? And so we got this guy, Paul. He's born by the name Saul, and his story begins as someone who hates the gospel, hates Jesus, hates Christians, actually makes it his life goal to try to eradicate them from the face of the earth. But something happens, and that something is that he meets Jesus, like literally like face-to-face -face meets Jesus. And Jesus is like, why are you, why are you such a hater? Why do you hate me? And Paul's like, uh, I didn't know you were real, right? And his life changes. It's transformed. And so he spends the rest of his days as a missionary, going around from city to city, town to town, person to person, trying to tell them about this thing that he for himself has experienced to be true, trying to plant churches and spread the good news of Jesus. That's what he's about. And so he obviously finds a rich community of people who are on the same mission, and they're going around, town to town, city to city, person to person, trying to spread the news that's saving people's lives. Right? And so what they would do is they wouldn't just like go around and just be like door to door about it. I don't know if you've ever been at home and like someone's knocked on your door and you're already, you're like, oh, I don't love when like random people show up and announce and then they want to like tell you about their religion and you're kind of like, ah, I'm uncomfortable. My parents aren't home. Uh, I gotta go. And you close the door, right? Like it's not like a door to door sort of a thing. And it's not just like a stand on a street corner and yell at people sort of thing. Their tactic, what they would do is they would go into the Jewish synagogues and try to teach and try to explain to people hey, Jesus, maybe you've heard about him. Maybe you've heard great things about him. Maybe you've heard terrible things about him and you don't know what you're deciding for yourself to believe about who he is. Can we sit with you and explain to you and tell you how Jesus is actually the one that makes history pivot? He's actually the one that fulfills all of the prophecies in this Old Testament that we've been studying, that we've been going into, that we've been pouring over for centuries. Can we explain to you? Can we show you? Can we introduce you to him? And you can imagine that there were some people who were like so amazed and so joyful. And it was like the light bulb went on. They're like, oh my gosh, it makes all the sense in the world. And you can imagine that there were other people who did not like what they had to say, who were like, shut up. We don't want to hear, we don't, we're not buying what you're selling. Get out of here, right? And so they would go around just in the hope that people would hear and understand and believe. They would go knowing that there would be people who would be really kind to them and people that would be really terrible to them. And they would just sacrifice their lives to go around and try to tell people about the good news of Jesus. And so in Acts 17, it says, as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away. So they had been somewhere and they're sent on to the next place. And that place is a town called Berea. 
And it says, on arriving there, they did what they normally do, right? It says, they went to the Jewish synagogue. And it says, now the Berean Jews, this is, there's a great little dig in here. It says, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. A little dig at the Thessalonians. And he, but here's why. It's because Thessalonica is where they had just come from. And if you read one chapter earlier, like you can go in your own time and read uh, in chapter 16 of Acts, the Thessalonians were not fond of Paul and Silas. They kind of ran them out of town, right? But it says this, of the Bereans, so they're kind of like, okay, we tried, and we're going to go on to the next people and see if there's anybody who's interested, who wants to know Jesus. So they go on to the next town, to Berea, and they go to the synagogue. And it says this about the Bereans. It says, uh, they were of more noble character because they received the message with great eagerness. Like, like eager isn't, um, isn't just like an intellectual reaction, right? If you've ever been eager for something or like met someone who's eager or maybe like, maybe the context we use it in most is like someone who's overeager, right? Where it's like, all right, cool it, buddy, right? Like eager is like a heart thing. It's an emotional thing. It's a feeling thing. It's like, oh, I'm eager. Like, tell me more. I need to know more. Like, this is meaningful to me. And it says that they received the message with great eagerness. And I think they have something to teach to us. Because you see, the goal of Bible reading is not just knowledge. Sometimes we think like the goal of Bible reading is just knowledge. Knowledge is definitely one of the goals of Bible reading, but it is not just the goal, right? The goal of Bible reading is not just knowledge, it's also affection. Like the reason I read my Bible isn't just transfer of information, right? Like I don't read my Bible so that I can be an ace on Bible trivia night if that ever occurs. Like if someone's like, does anybody know about Colossians? I'm like, me, right? Like that's not why I read my Bible, right? Knowledge is great. It's useful. It's helpful. But the reason I read my Bible is knowledge and affection, right? Because I want to know God. I want to grow in my relationship. And he's put this whole book together for me to know him better, to understand what he says about me, to understand what he says about the world, to understand what he says about why suffering, to understand what he says about what is true, all of that. I want to know because I want to know God. I want to have relationship with him. So the goal of Bible reading isn't just knowledge. It's also affection. Right? In Psalm 119, David says this about the Bible, about his love of the Bible. He says, how sweet are your words to my taste? Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Anybody got like a sweet tooth? Anybody like a dessert person? Yeah, everyone's like, mm. anyone super healthy and love veggies? Everyone's like, me. No, <laughs> dessert, right? Like it doesn't have to be a guilty pleasure. There's a time and a place for everything. But you know when you get like that first bite of your favorite dessert, maybe even it's been like a long time. Right, like I'm an ice cream junkie. I just love this stuff, right? And when you just get like a good, good hit of ice cream, it's just like there's that moment, right? Or like just think about like whatever your favorite food is, right? There's that moment where you get the bite and then just like the world stops and usually this is what happens. You go, mm. right? It's like the shoulders relax, the chin goes up. You're just like, oh, life is good, right? That's what he's getting at. In Psalm 119, that's what David's saying about God's word. He's like, I have that same feeling about it. Like when I get time in God's word and I get hit by the truth of what God's saying, when I get to discover something about God, when God reveals something about myself to me, that's the good stuff, right? That's what he's saying. And so here's what you need to know is that Bible knowledge without affection, it's not fruitful, right? It's not going to change anything. It's not going to produce anything, right? If it's just Bible knowledge, again, you'll be like a great partner for Bible trivia. But that's it. 
Bible knowledge without affection, it's not fruitful. It's not going to transform your heart. It's not going to transform your life. It's not going to be compelling to anybody around you, right? Like affection for God's word matters, right? Like we want to grow in our knowledge by 2030, but we also want to grow in our delight in God's word by 2030. You know, 1 Corinthians 8 says this. It says, knowledge puffs us up. Like it makes us proud. It makes us think like, oh, look at me. I got it. Knowledge puffs us up, but love builds us up. Right? Hear that again. That's the Bible. That's 1 Corinthians. Knowledge puffs us up, but love builds us up. Those who think they know something don't yet know what they ought to know. But whoever loves God is known by God. Right? So we continue on in Acts 17, right? We've just looked at Bible knowledge without affection is not fruitful, right? The Bereans hear the teaching of God's word and they're eager. Like they have a heart response to it. They're stirred up by it. They're passionate about it, right? So we know that Bible knowledge without affection is not fruitful, but the opposite is also true, right? Bible affection without knowledge is not faithful, Let me say that again. Bible affection without knowledge is not faithful, right? Like you could be someone who's like stoked on the five verses in the Bible that you like and kind of like read your own meaning into them uh, and just kind of like camp out there for the rest of your life with Jesus. And that's actually not faithfulness to who God is. That's not a deep knowing of who he is. Right? And actually, that's a road for like really misunderstanding the heart of God sometimes. Like when we just like cherry pick what we like about God or what we like about God's word, when it's like, oh, this just like gets me going. I love it. It makes me feel a lot. Again, right? Like Bible knowledge without affection, it's not fruitful. But the inverse is true as well. Bible affection without knowledge, it's not faithful. Right? And both are important. Here's, a, here's just a reality is that Bible enjoyment, like if you're like, I want to enjoy God's word. Let me tangent for a second. Anyone was at camp with us this summer? Any people in the room at camp? Awesome. Uh, If you weren't, I'm going to explain what I'm talking about. So at camp this summer, we had a time where we did a breakout just as Calvary HSN. We got to hang out together. We got to worship together, uh, do a lot of cool things. But one of the things that we did was we said, if you have questions about your faith, that's not a bad thing. That doesn't make you a bad Christian. That doesn't make us mad at you. We're not trying to hide anything. Like we're here because we genuinely believe that God's word is true. And if it's true, it can hold our questions, right? And so like, give us your questions. We just want to hear what are the pressing concerns? Like, what are your questions about God? What are your questions about life? What are your questions about the Bible? All of it. And boy, did you guys give us questions. Hundreds of questions, right? And our commitment to you was occasionally throughout the year, we already did one, we'll do times where we do a Q&A up here and we'll just start working through those questions because we want to address them, like, right? Like maybe there are things that just like wouldn't come up in a teaching series, but they matter to your heart. And if they matter to your heart, they matter to God's heart. And so we want to talk through them. But let me, let me tell you something. It's amazing to read through them. I've read every single one of them multiple times. I treasure those questions uh, because you revealed your hearts to us and that's meaningful. And so we're grateful for that. Uh, But what's amazing is when patterns emerge of like, oh, there's actually like 30 people asking the same question, right? Or there's 60 people asking kind of the same thing, right? It paints a picture. And one of the questions that we got a ton Actually, like one of our most asked questions, right? Like there's like all sorts of things. They're not just churchy questions. There's some pretty gritty stuff in there uh, in the patterns. But one of the questions that came up over and over and over again was, how do I fall in love with God's word 
right? Like I want to, right? Like we talk about like, if the vision is I want to be a person who's like in relationship with God's word, how do I get there? Like, how do I like stir up my heart for God's word? How do I enjoy it? Like, how do I understand it? And how do I enjoy it? Was an overwhelming question that we got a lot of. I was like, yes, I love it because I'm stoked about this. But here's what you need to know. Bible enjoyment, like if you want to really enjoy God's word, Bible enjoyment requires Bible study. And that's not just me, that's not like, Bible study is sometimes like we use it as an interchangeable phrase for small group. And again, I love small groups, like being a small group. But I'm talking about actually like spending time looking at God's word and trying to understand it for yourself, right? Like for instance, um, we have a keyboard up here. Anybody play piano or keys or anything? Hands in the air? Awesome. Wow, respect. Um, I play no instruments. <laughs> I kind of regret that decision in my life. I wish I played something really well. But here's the deal. If I went over, I, I do not play piano. If I went over to that piano and at the soundboard, I was like, Marco, turn on the piano. And I tried to like enjoy myself at the piano, like make some real great music. I wouldn't be able to, right? And you guys wouldn't enjoy the noises coming out of the piano. Why? because I didn't take the time to learn the piano, right? I could just go over to the piano and try, and maybe I could like figure out how to play like a little jingles worth of something, like, oh, like, oh look, I learned 10 seconds of the theme song to whatever, right? Like I might be able to like have a little experience, right? But for me to enjoy the piano, to be able to go and sit at the piano and just really like get into it, that would require me to have learned the piano. Right? That's just true of things in life. For you to enjoy something, you have to learn about it. Right? And the same is true of God's word. Like if you want to really enjoy God's word, it, it's a necessity that you spend time learning it. And now what I'm not saying is, so you're on your own. Go figure it out. Right? And also what I'm not saying is like, we want to be the Bible police. We're going to show up at your door and be like, Do you read today? Like that's not what we're saying. But but for you to understand that if you want to have a rich relationship with God, if your vision for your life is, I want to have an amazing faith by the time 2030 rolls around, and I want to hear from God, I want to know what he says about me, about the world, about life, you have to get in this book. And here's, here's what's just a reality of the world that we live in. For the rest of your life, there are a ton of people with a ton of different takes on this book, and they'll tell you their take about this book, right? Like there will be people who will want you to do things, right? Like they'll try to get you to behave in a certain way and their justification will be because it's in the Bible. So you should just like fall in line and do what I say, right? The Bible, right? And on the other hand, there are people who will say things about this book who will be like, how could you believe that? That's, that's a relic. Like God's not real. God's hateful. It's in the Bible. Read it, right? Like people will make all sorts of claims to you about this book, but the only way that you'll know for yourself is if you open it and read it. The only way you can experience what's true about this book is if you experience it for yourself. Nobody can do it for you, right? For the rest of your life, people, there will be thousands of people you'll interact with who will have a hot take on this book that they'll want you to agree with. And my hope for you is that you'll be able to hold your ground on, here's what I've experienced of God's word. I know what it says. I know what it doesn't says. I know who God is. I know what he says about me. I know his heart. I know how loving he is, all of that. Because you've opened it and found for yourself. You see, Bible enjoyment requires Bible study. Moving on in Psalm 119, David says this. He says, how I love your law, God. 
I meditate on it all day. Your commands are always with me. Like, I just, like, I can't stop thinking about them. They make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers because I meditate on your statutes. See, we believe that by 2030, it is crucial that we elevate our love for God's word. So what does that look like? What are some practical things that you're going to see around Calvary um, to make it easier for us to all do that? There's three things I want to highlight. There's a million things that will happen. Um, There's three that I really want to point to of like, hey, our leadership in the next eight years has committed to these things. The first is this. This is actually really cool, and I'm hyped about it. In the next eight years, Calvary is going to launch something called the Calvary Bible Institute. Uh, to train our church body to know and love God's word. So when you hear institute, here's what I want to clarify. We're starting something called the Calvary Bible Institute. We are not starting a Bible college or a seminary. It's not going to be like an accredited accredited thing that we want people to like fly in from around the country to get their credentials to go off and do a career in ministry or whatever. That is not what the Calvary Bible Institute is. What the Calvary Bible Institute is, is a resource for the men and women of this church, yourselves included, of hey, we're going to offer classes, we're going to offer training of here's how you understand the Bible, here's how you think through. And so it could be anything from like, we're going to do like New Testament survey. Like if you, it's not mandatory, it's not like you got to do it to graduate church, like church isn't formatted that way. Uh, it's for you, you opt in or you opt out. But if you're someone who you're like, I, I read the Bible and I don't understand what's happening, that there would be classes for you that would help you understand, help you understand how to interpret the Bible, help you to think through the tough questions, the things that don't make sense in the Bible, help you to understand the larger picture, how to see the character and heart of God in the scriptures, that's coming, and we're excited about it. The next thing uh, that's happening is Calvary is going to be compiling a comprehensive Bible study resource library. Um, Again, I'm talking through like practical things right now, that there would be just like a ton of resources for you, where if you came to me one day, like right now, you can come to me and be like, how do I think about the book of James better? And I I will have things to say. I'll I'll be like, hey, let's get together and read through it. I might recommend some books, right? But we're going to have a church-wide, basically like database of like, hey, here's really good stuff that's been like vetted. Sometimes it's hard to know like, who should I, what's like, real scholarly stuff or what's like someone's random opinion on Wikipedia, right? Like we're going to have a whole database just available for people who want to know how to study and understand and fall in love with God's word. Um, And the third is really a goal, a vision, right? We talk about where there's no vision, the people perish and our leaders have bold vision. And one of the visions is that by 2030, we're going to work to double the percentage of Calvary members who engage in the Bible on a regular basis. And again, that's not something that we can mandate. That happens by us together falling in love with God's word. That's something we're committed to as a church, something we're stoked about as a church. So let's move forward in Acts. In 17, in chapter 17, verse 12, it says this. So they uh, got stoked on God's word, um, right? Like they received it with eagerness uh, and they poured into it to study it. And it says this, as a result, many of them believed, right? Like the Jews in the synagogue, the religious people who were looking for God, looking for Jesus. As a result, many of them believed. Also, a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men believed. That's an interesting byproduct of this, is that the the Bereans fall in love with God's word, and the byproduct is the Greeks' belief, right? 
And here's just a true thing that you need to understand. When your love for the Bible goes up, the message of Jesus goes out. That's how it works. Like Jesus gave us at the end of his time here on earth in Matthew 28, he gives us something called the Great Commission, which is like, here's the big assignment, right? Like, like he understood the assignment, right? Like the assignment is go and invite everybody into the family of God. Make sure everybody knows that regardless of what you've done, who you've been in the past, what people have told you about yourself, what you've believed about yourself, uh, regardless of like the bad decisions you've made, the wickedness you've cultivated in your heart, regardless of any of it, regardless of if people thought you were valuable or thought that you weren't worth their time. Everybody is loved by God. He's got forgiveness and grace and mercy for everybody. And you're invited into this. He's paid for it. That's the gospel. And the assignment is make sure everybody knows that this invitation is open to them. Everybody. And right here, we see that the Bereans love for God's word goes up and the work of Jesus goes out. The same is true for us, right? Like if we're going to be on commission, like if we want to invite more people into the family of God, it starts with us falling in love with God's word. It starts with us enjoying it, learning about it, just coming to it daily. That's where it begins. When your love for the Bible goes up, the message of Jesus goes out. Here's why. Because the word of God gives power to the people of God, to accomplish the mission of God. Like you don't have the power to accomplish the mission if you're not connected to the power source, which is God. Let me say it again. The word of God gives power to the people of God to accomplish the mission of God, right? Like if I imagine all of you probably have phones in your pocket, right? And a phone is an amazing thing. You can take it out, look at it, right? Like hold your phone in your hand if you've got it with you, phone. Right? An amazing invention. Sometimes it distracts me more than I should let it. But my phone is an amazing invention. It's built to do all these amazing things, right? Like it can check the weather for me. It can pull up a map and get me where I'm going. I can read reviews on restaurants on Yelp. I can get connected to my friends through text or Instagram or call them, right? Like it has all of these things. But here's the reality. Every day, this thing is in a slow process of running out of juice, Right? You see the battery going down. Maybe you're like at that point where you're like, there's 2% left on my phone. I need to find a charger, right? If I don't connect it to the power source, it'll run out of power, and then it won't be able to do any of the things that it's designed to do, right? Like, it, it doesn't matter how capable this phone is to pull up a map to get me somewhere. If it's not connected to power, if it doesn't fill up with energy, it cannot take me where I'm going. And the same is true of us. Like God's word, connecting to God, hearing what he has to say, spending time with him, letting his word read us. The word of God gives power to the people of God to accomplish the mission of God. In Isaiah 55, it says, my word that goes out from my mouth, God says this, it will not return to me empty. It's always up to something. It won't return to me empty. It will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it, right? Like God's word is always up to something. It's an amazing thing. And the invitation is, would you bury God's word in your heart? Would you put it deep down inside and let it speak to you? 
Um, in just a second, I want to show you a, a video that we showed in the main room um, this morning. And it's one of our elders, this man named Bert Overholt, really cool guy. A um, little shout out, his son married my sister, so family. Uh, no big deal. But um, when he was a kid, he was a missionary kid. His parents were missionaries in Brazil, um, and he was a kid a while ago. So it was the 1960s, um, and he was a little boy, and there was like this huge political upheaval, right? Like things got scary. They didn't know if they were going to be safe there. They were kind of like, literally, it was kind of like everyone stopped going to school. Everyone stopped going to work. They went home, right? Like you, like you ever think about like, where do I go when the zombie apocalypse hits, right? Like when like things start to get crazy, it's like, who am I going to? And so they go home as their family, and they're kind of like, huddled together, kind of like workshopping, like what are our next moves, right? Like, are, do we have to flee the country? Are we going to get put in jail? Like, what do we do? And it's their, their parents and him and his siblings. Um, and he has this amazing story of what his parents chose to prioritize. Uh, and he recorded it for us. So check this video out, and then uh, we'll talk about it. Porque Deus amou o mundo de tal maneira... Hi, my name is Bert Overholt, and uh, I grew up in Brazil, where my parents were missionaries. And it was an, a wonderful experience. Um, but one of the things that really stands out in my mind was in the early 60s, uh, there's a lot of political turmoil going on in Brazil. There's four kids at home at that point. At that point, she turns to us, because all four of us kids are kind of staring at her, like, what do we do now? And mom says, we need to pray. And we need to pray and acknowledge that God is here with us and that he is going to walk each and every step of the way with us, regardless of what happens, that we know that he will be with us and that he'll protect us. The next day, my father arrives at our house and my dad sits us down in the living room and he goes, so I want to remind you of the books and the stories that we have been reading to you for quite a while now, but also a lot of stories of people being imprisoned because they were talking about Jesus. And that the one thing that kept coming out as they're talking about surviving in prison was the fact that they had memorized scripture and they were able to share those verses with each other. And so dad paused and he looked around to each one of us. He goes, so we're going to begin memorizing scripture because we don't know what's coming. And we started at that point memorizing scripture. We memorized a lot of scripture, a lot of scripture. The whole book of Philippians, 15 or so chapters of the book is in Psalms and dozens and dozens of other verses. The impactful thing for me is those verses and those passages that I memorized back then as a kid are the ones I still draw on today. Having that in my heart, God's Word in my heart, has been invaluable through all kinds of difficulties. And I know that my ability to stay focused on Jesus is because of having His Word planted in my heart. amazing perspective. Like here they are in the middle of this crisis and Bert's dad understands the value of God's word. Like they're literally in a moment where they're thinking, 
we don't know what the future holds. Maybe tomorrow someone comes and kicks down our door and takes us away from each other. Maybe they lock us up and take our Bibles away from us. And the most important thing we can do with our time right now is to bury God's word in our heart, to hide it there, to memorize it. Because maybe I don't have this book, but I know what it says. Here's the reality, you guys. Nobody can do your relationship with God for you. You can't outsource it. Like your relationship with God is your relationship with God. No one can do it for you. And at the same time, no one can take your relationship with God from you, right? It's yours, it's unique. It belongs to just the two of you. And God has said so many things in here that he wants you to know. Things that'll empower you, equip you, uh, heal broken things about you, shift your thinking when it's incorrect, when you're not seeing things clearly. Like there's so much here for you and the invitation is to take this word and to hide it in your heart. Not to hide it in a way that's like, I'm gonna keep it from other people um, and not share it, but to hide it in your heart in a way that like, it's in there so deep that it's just a part of you. That's the offer on the table. And that's where we're going as a church. That's the vision. And uh, we're gonna do it together. We're gonna figure out how to get there. Um, and it's gonna be a wild ride. And so we're going to take some time and we're going to turn our affection um, to God in worship right now. And so I'm going to pray uh, and then the band's going to lead us as we close. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you're a good God. Um, God, thank you that no one can do um, our relationship with you for us and no one can take it from us. God, that you have plans and purpose, that you see us intimately, uh, that you love us, uh, that you're ever forgiving, always there, uh, reliable and trustworthy. God, thank you. Uh, so as we turn our time, our attention to you uh, in worship, God, we just pray that your spirit would be here in a fresh way. Uh, God, uh, maybe even if, if people in the room here are just like, I, I don't know if God's real, God, um, would they just be free to hold that question in their heart and maybe, Lord, you would show up. Uh, God, we love you and we thank you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We really hope it blessed you. You can connect with us on social media at CalvaryHSM805. God bless.